Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. So I was 13 or 14 years old. I was pretty much on a path to copy my dad's life. Mm -hmm. I was chasing after girls. I was starting to drink. I was not going to church. I just... This sounds depressing. I mean, it it was. I mean, I didn't realize, uh, I didn't even know the Bible said the sins of the father will visit down through the third and fourth generation. I was on a path to copy my dad. I go to see my dad in Florida, uh, who's now remarried, and I was surprised as could be when on a Sunday morning he said, we're going to church. And I'm like, you go to church? And we went to, if I can... Remember, it might have been Miami First Baptist, but it was a Baptist church in Miami. The pastor got up and introduced a guest speaker who I didn't know at the time, but her name was Johnny Erickson, now Johnny Erickson Tata, and she spoke and it changed my life. And I'm excited. We've got her on the broadcast today. Johnny, welcome back to Family Life Today. Oh, Dave, thanks for inviting me and, of course, everybody listening in. I tell you what, though, you you made me sound pretty old in that intro. <laughs> what year was that? Like, when was that, the 1980s? You know what? Um, I It had to be, yeah, it was the no, late it was the 70s. 70s. I would say uh, 73. Uh, well. I don't know what uh, what age that puts you on, but I'll never forget you came on and gave your story. And I know our listeners probably know a lot of your story, but I'd love you to give us a, a, a you know, quick version of uh, what you said that day, because I, I didn't tell our listeners how you walked up to the uh, podium, but you can tell them. Well, I didn't exactly walk up to the podium. <laughs> yeah. I wheeled up to the podium. And real quickly, because I think many of our listeners probably know my story. Um, I was 17 years old. I uh, It was a hot July day. I went swimming with my sister. I dove off this raft into what I realized real quickly was shallow water. My my forehead thudded against the sandy bottom. It snapped my head back. It crunched my cervical vertebrae and severed my spinal cord. Yeah. And weeks later, when my doctor told me, as I was lying there paralyzed in the hospital bed, Johnny, you'll never walk. You'll never have use of your hands. I was devastated. Oh, Dave and Ann, I just, I'm sure every parent listening, they think, oh, God, may that never happen to my child. Hmm. And my parents felt the same. And yet God was giving me a strange, unusual grace, which at that point, I don't even think my parents were able to appropriate. Uh, he gave me a grace to rise up out of that depression by drinking in every single word of encouragement from the Bible that my Christian friends offered me from my hospital bedside. I knew instinctively that if I was going to survive this somehow, some way, uh, the answers were going to be in the pages of Scripture. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know what God would do, my future. All I knew was this fear and Depression was claustrophobic. I want out of it. Even even worse than getting healed. 
I just, I just wanted to be free of the depression. Mm. So it was the word of God that made the huge difference in my life. It's interesting because I had given my life to Jesus as a 16-year-old. I had never heard the gospel. And my sister had shared the gospel for the first time when she had heard it. And I gave my life to Jesus. And so I had just gotten my driver's license. And somebody told me there was this thing called a Christian bookstore which I was like, what? There, There's a store with Christian books in it? And so I remember walking into this store, and they had Christian music playing. I had never heard Christian music in my life. And I thought, this must be what heaven is like. <laughs> and then I saw this book, and it was called Johnny. I bought it. I took it home, and I read it in two days. And that book, Dave, just as you said, like the story of your life, Johnny, and I was only 16, and you were 17 when this had happened to you. And so I remember thinking at that age, like, what if that was me at that age? How could I go on? And you're very frank in your book that came out. What year did that come out, Johnny? The book came out in 1976, and just this year they issued the 45th anniversary edition. Wow. And honestly, Dave and Anne, you, you guys are parents. Uh, moms and dads are listening to you. And I'll just say, if your child is struggling hmm. with depression, discouragement, fear, um, some limitation. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to recommend this, what they call a Christian classic, the Johnny book. It's just filled with, oh, I don't know, vulnerability, yeah. honesty, and also anchors from God's word that can really help. Well, so it was, Thanks for mentioning that, Anne. Yeah, <laughs> it was after reading that because that was the year I gave my life to Jesus. So it must have been new. So thank you. I think you've impacted. I bet every listener has a Johnny story that they yeah, can share. You know, my struggle when I was 13, 14, walking into that church that day, which I didn't want to go, I, I, I even judged my dad like, okay, what are you doing going to church? But he had found Christ. He was hoping to introduce his youngest son to Jesus. And I didn't give my life to Christ that day, but I remember walking out. My struggle was I can't believe there's a God that would allow my mom and dad to get divorced and my little brother to die. And I never forget as I got in a car to go home with my dad, I couldn't get your joy out of my head. Mm-hmm. Here's a woman in a wheelchair and you you were honest and you shared the struggle and your struggle even with God. But there was a joy that was real that convinced me, okay, there must be a God if he can give that kind of joy. And that was a seed planted that I found that God a few years later, and here we are. So thank you, Johnny. It's really been a moment that changed both our lives. Well, it means so much to me. I mean, I although let me say my joy is uh, hard to fought for. I'm, hmm. I'm such a good example of First Corinthians, I think it's 10, 16. I'm sorrowful, hmm. yet always rejoicing. Hmm. You know, I have nothing, yet I possess everything. I am so poor in spirit, yet I am so rich. So I I live on that continuum of joy and sorrow, kind of like mixed and mingled together. But I think that's what people relate to, Mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've written many books, but your latest book is a book for children called The Awesome, Super, Fantastic, Forever Party, (laughs) which is the best title. And then... The subtitle is A True Story About Heaven, Jesus, and the Best Invitation. Did you, did you come up with that title? I came up with that title. It's I thought, that, how can I describe heaven? So there you go. Why this book, Johnny? Like, why a book on heaven for kids? Well, you know as well as I, the messaging of our culture keeps insisting that children put themselves first, 
that life is all about them, their desires, getting what they want, doing what they please. And, and I think because of this, so many boys and girls, Christians or non-Christians, they look at heaven as as though it were a free ticket to Disneyland. There's going to be as many chocolate chip pancakes as they can possibly eat and the biggest water slide in the in the universe. But that kind of self-focus is totally foreign in heaven. And that's what I wanted to get across. I wanted to lob a hand grenade into those myths and fantasies about heaven and help help children get excited about heaven for the best reasons, for the reasons that will make them most happy on earth. And um, you and I were talking earlier, uh, Anne, about heaven and how kids, probably the reason they think up all these myths is because they're so fearful that heaven will be boring. <laughs> uh, you know, They know, as well as you and I do, that if they sing their favorite worship songs often enough, it, it gets boring. <laughs> and uh, they tend to think, okay, are we going to run out of scripture courses after a few thousand years? Well, that's from an earthly perspective. And uh, But in heaven, self-forgetfulness will be second nature, and so nothing is going to be tiring or wearisome or boring. Praise, it would only be boring if we were able to stop and look at ourselves to see, oh, do I like this? How am I doing? Am I sounding good? Performing? <laughs> you know, what, what's, what do I have to contribute here? But such self-consciousness will be totally unknown in heaven. There'll be no self-awareness or self-absorption. There will only be a total losing of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And and so that's, that's one good reason why heaven won't be boring. We're never going to get tired of praising Jesus because with every word of praise, we'll get wiser, younger, happier. We'll discover so much more. Um, I don't want to dominate here, but can I give you a quick example? Yeah, oh, for sure. I'm, I'm thinking of that passage uh and maybe even many children know it from Isaiah chapter 6, where the seraphim, day and night, night and day, are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you think, oh, my goodness, after 10,000 years, don't they get tired of doing that? <laughs> but the truth is, they are most, they're probably looking at God, and they see some amazing facet of his and they go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. But then before they can even get that phrase out, God has shifted and shown them some other amazing facet of his never-before-discovered character. And once again, oh, my goodness, I did not know that. Holy, holy, holy. But before they get that sentence out, again, God has revealed some other marvelous attribute. Now, oh, holy, holy, holy. So it's always and always a constant discovering of how amazing God is. And that kind of excitement and enthusiasm, man, I really want to grip kids with that uh, with that desire to, to praise God for all of eternity. Hmm. Yeah, and, and you just hit on one of the, you know, misconceptions we have. I think even adults, I've had it, is, you know, we're going to sit on clouds with harps and sing. You know, and that's heaven, you know, which doesn't sound very exciting. It sounds boring. It sounds monotonous. Well, I remember one of our sons saying, I think he was maybe six. He says, are we going to sing in heaven all day? I don't even like to sing. That's going to be the most <laughs> boring thing ever. If they had video games, that might be better. <laughs> I remember saying video games will be nothing compared to what heaven nothing. will be like. Right. Yep, yep. Every good thing that a child enjoys down here on earth, and I mean, I mean, pure good thing, 
you know, delightful good things, things that honor God. Every good, happy joy is only a sneak preview. It's only a hint, a slight whisper, an omen of even the grander, more glorious joy in heaven that the earthly joy only hints at. It only whispers about it. But the real joy is coming in heaven. And uh, for me, I mean, I I often think about my new body. What's that going to be like? I was going to say, Johnny, you sound excited when you talk about this yourself. And I can't help but think you're you're anticipating. (laughs) I sure am. I'm going to jump up, dance, kick, do aerobics. I can't wait to get rid of this wheelchair and just explore all the all the nuances of having a new body. And I, I, I think that's why I, I really like First Corinthians 15, because mm-hmm. in that passage we hear, we learn all about what our new bodies are going to be like. And in that passage, uh, the Bible uses the analogy of a dead seed and like a dead acorn, you know, that's got to be buried in the ground before it becomes anything. But when it germinates and comes to life first as a seedling, then it becomes this gigantic oak tree, towering tall with huge branches and big leaves. Now, there's absolutely no way that that little acorn could ever possibly imagine himself as a tree. Yet, he is one and the same as that gigantic tree. But the promise of what that acorn will be one day, it's tucked within that little nut. And even though an acorn and a tree look nothing alike still, that acorn possesses the same DNA, and so it will be with our new glorified bodies. Um, they're going to be so amazing, and probably Jesus gave a pattern of what our new bodies will be like when he indeed, after his resurrection, appeared, and he disappeared. He could move through time and space. Um, he could walk through what he could. He could eat. He could fellowship with his with his disciples. So. I think Jesus' resurrected body gives us a little hint of eventually what our glorified body is going to be like. And I, I can't wait. After 55 years of sitting still without using my hands, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can't imagine because I've had thoughts of a new body for me and I'm able-limbed, you know. I mean, uh, I'm not that broken down and yet I... I think, man, what's it going to be like not to have aches and pains? I can't imagine the the angst and the joy that you feel at the same time sitting in a wheelchair for 55 years, thinking about a new body Absolutely. and a new, a new world. Oh, 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 praise God for Revelation chapter 21, mm-hmm. where God's going to wipe away all the tears, no more death, no more sorrow crying, no more pain. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a, a, a wonderful thing, and I, I can't wait. Let me read this page in the book as we just described. It says, and Jesus will give you a new body. And on this page, you have someone in a wheelchair and some people, one person's blind. Um, A girl has crutches that she's walking with. And it says, and Jesus will give you a new body. It will be shining and splendorous and you'll run faster and be stronger than you thought possible. Blind people will see, lame people will dance. Deaf people will hear, and people whose minds sometimes struggle will enjoy minds that work just right all the time. And so on that other page, you have the page where, you know, they're struggling, and then you see these new bodies in heaven in this glorious picture and page of light and brightness and yellows and every color. 
They're dancing and, and leaping with joy. It's such a beautiful <laughs> picture of what's to come. Well, that's exactly, you just described my favorite part of the book. Hmm. You know, as you think about family sitting down and reading this book, what's your, what's your hope? What's your vision? Well, my hope is that through this book, children really will get excited hmm. uh, for heaven. Um, and I think that moms and dads can best prepare kids for heaven by, by showing them after they read this book, by showing them that every joy, every delight they experience, every pleasure, every <gasps> aha moment it, it, that they experience has a direct connection to our Heavenly Father, the giver of every good and perfect gift. So moms and dads listening, the next time you're with your little one by a big thunderous waterfall, or at the edge of the ocean, or you're outside and you see shooting stars, and they gasp in wonder, immediately draw a line to God and his glory, that that emotion of wonder that they're experiencing, that response from God, to cultivate in your child an appreciation for for all that joy, all those delightful things, finding their source in God. Hmm. And in so doing, you will be preparing, nurturing his little heart, to lay up treasures in heaven. Hmm. Johnny, as you talk, like I'm anticipating, I can see the joy on your face. And yet you've described how you've experienced pain. I know that you've walked through cancer. You've been in your chair, you said, 55 years. Mm-hmm. And yet, yes. yet, look at like your joy. Tell me when you get to heaven, is it getting on your feet? What is it that you anticipate? Okay, this is how I picture it. Okay, so I'm going to break the tape at the finish line like a marathoner, and I'll collapse to my hands and knees on the sandy shores of heaven, gasping and heaving. Oh, oh God, thank you. I made it. I made it without dishonoring your name. And and then I will roll over on my back and close my eyes, put my arms widespread in the sand, just relishing the freedom of being beyond the confines of my human body and its paralysis. And, and all of a sudden, I'll open my eyes, and Jesus, over top of me, will have stepped into my line of view. And will say, welcome home, G. Um, G is my husband's term of endearment for me. Welcome home, G. It was a long haul, wasn't it? But you're home. Well done, good and faithful, sir. Hmm. I tell you what, it brings tears to my eyes. Because I want to do everything I can not to waste my suffering here on earth Mm. and prepare for that glorious moment. I hope it'll be just like that. Because when when, when Jesus does say, well done, I'm going to immediately drop to my knees and I'm going to be paralyzed for a minute. I'm just going to make myself not move for a Mm. minute. It'll be my last chance to give a sacrifice of praise. I could be jumping up, dancing, kicking, doing aerobics, but I'm going to have a little bit of paralyzed praise. Just for a minute, as a sacrifice, uh, thanking him for all the grace he poured out on me all these many years to keep persevering and holding fast to the word of God. Honestly, Dave and Anne, it's been my meat and drink. I'm like, I'm like that person in John chapter 6 where Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. You know, that's me every morning, hmm. ingesting Jesus, <laughs> drinking in all of him that I possibly can because, man, this life is hard. And I need everything of him that he offers. And uh, that's a good thing. My paralysis then has been a good thing to drive me to Jesus back urgently. Don't you think? Yes. 
you are, I mean, as you've been talking the last three minutes, I just have tears rolling down my face mm-hmm. because um, it's easy to look at our lives and think, um, to feel sorry for ourselves of the pain or the suffering that we've walked through. But as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you inspire us to remind us what is ahead and um, thank you for not only writing so many books that have inspired us and writing this new children's book about heaven, but just for your life as an example of one who is totally surrendered to the King of Kings and anticipates meeting him face to face in worship. Like, thank you, because it makes us want to do that as well. Oh, God bless you, Anne. That means so much. Hmm. Thank you, friends. Thank you. thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you need some practical help in your relationship and aren't quite sure where to turn? We offer relationship checkups where you will meet with one of our trained relationship coaches who will help equip you with some new tools while you take a more holistic look at your relationship. For more information, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Need Help tab and get started today. Have a great weekend and please join us on Monday at the same time for another edition of Family Life Today. Music